You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Today we're talking about sexuality, intimacy in our relationships with our special guest, Dr. Dean Aslinia, sexologist all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. Show regular, Dr. Claudia McKellar is here. And I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Before the break, we were talking about sex after divorce, and we're going to continue with sex after divorce and sex during your middle adulthood. Now, um, Dr. Dean, as people get older, they often find that sex, it's just not the same with their partner. What are the important things that we need to remember as these changes are occurring? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Extremely important, and this coincides with what we were just talking about with divorce and how you know, you look for a new partner after divorce, which corresponds with that middle ad- adulthood typically. So normal aging obviously brings a lot of physical changes, both for men and women, and that greatly impacts. Right, because they might not yeah. even feel comfortable in their own skin oh, anymore, absolutely. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skin's kind of things stretching. Aren't, yeah. yeah, things, things aren't are hanging, hanging the way that you want them to. They, yeah. Yeah. And those are just the things you can see. So the <laughs> Vagina can shorten and become more narrow. The vaginal walls become thinner and you just, you just don't produce enough lubrication for men. They have uh, potential difficulties with erectile disorder, which could be as a result of diabetes, which could be because of hypertension or heart problems. And so all of this stuff typically we experience uh, during mid- middle adulthood and they greatly impact our sexual life. So it's important for everyone to be aware that your body is not the same body you had when you were a 20 year old which it would just lubricate by itself it would be you know refractory period for men was just bam you know 15 minutes later you're ready to go again whereas now you might need to go sit in a sauna for like three four hours to just recoup (laughs) to you know be able to do anything else so there are a lot of physical medical psychological uh, emotional items to be aware of in that so in other words this is a period in in your life where you feel up (laughs) well you could feel that way or you could become aware you know one of the things i've always heard and i've been accused of going through it myself which is a midlife crisis right but i like to see it as a midlife awareness where you yes. become aware. Yes. yes, that is so powerful. A midlife I love that. evolution. Absolutely. You become right? aware of, you know what? Now I am at the peak yep. of this mountain that it I was climbing. It can't get any worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's only oh, no, from it can. There. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on how you want to see it, half full or half empty. We need to think but, positive, Dr. Yes, Dean. Yes, right. absolutely. That's where I was trying to bring yeah. up, but y'all went down the hole, oh, going tra- down the oh, hill I love and all that of this. Twang, trying to bring up. <laughs> That's the first time that it came out. Hey, I have to bring Texas into this mix somehow. But that's a really, really Uh, good point. But nevertheless, so becoming aware of all the changes that your body is going through is first and foremost going to keep you um, uh, sharp. That you're going to become aware of when you need to go, what kind of doctor you need to see. So we were talking about all the different things. So you might be experiencing arthritis, (laughs) dementia, diabetes, depression, hypertension, heart conditions, all of this stuff. So yep. our great doctor here can talk about some of the arthritis. Yeah, stuff. The, uh, honestly, the arthritis issue is a big deal. You know, the stiffness, the back pain, you're not as flexible and as able to move as you did when you were 20. So it's about accepting that. Right? Dr. Claudia McKellar yes. is a chiropractor, for right. those of you who are just tuning in and don't know. 
Yeah, and that's one of the areas that I really, really emphasize and work on is just keeping yourself as mobile as you can for as long as you can. And that will impact every area of your life. And since we're talking about sex and relationships, it'll positively impact your relationship in that way. And Dr. Dean, what do you think is the major source of conflict in relationships of older adults when it comes to sex? I would say it's what we just said it's the opposite of it. So I was just saying you need to have awareness. The the typical common problem that I see is a lot of couples or rather a lot of individuals not wanting to accept the changes that are happening within them, uh, be it medical, physical, or otherwise. Like I have a lot of guys who say, no, I am not. And they, you know, obviously. <laughs> no, I'm from, not what? <laughs> I'm not having problems or I don't have an erectile disorder or I don't have a this or I don't, because they feel as though. But if you're not though, getting it up, then how do you not right, have Right, well, it, it's, again, it goes back to that whole sexual identity that they developed between, you know, 18 to 35 and they don't want to relinquish it. They don't want to accept the fact that, you know what, I might need to go to a doctor and take some and Viagra, Cialis, something. Yeah, you might have yeah. an enlarged prostate now. You might have a whole lot of other p- problems, but that's the issue. If you cannot accept the fact that there might be something going on and go and see a professional, that creates a lot of room for um, conflict because, again, you don't want to accept the issues you're having and you begin to project and blame the other partner for whatever those might be. And so that begins to create a lot of friction. Okay, we have time for one more question, which I think is so important, all right? Mm-hmm. So how can aging people keep the spark alive? <laughs> um, so, well, I, I think it goes back to a whole lot of things. One, communication. I think, hey, if that porn, creating excitement, uh, talking about each other's needs, body changes, um, all of that. I mean, there's so many different aspects, but the biggest piece, which we didn't talk about, was the difference between sex and intimacy. Our society has begun to define intimacy as a polite way of saying sex. So we say, well, when was the last time you got intimate? What we're really asking is when was the last time you had intercourse? Whereas I like to bring up this idea of a play on word with intimacy, meaning into me see, which means you're seeing into the other person. And so as we age, if you can see into the other person, meaning understand their emotions, understand their needs Maybe all it takes is you holding hands and you can be intimate with each other. And, you know, when you're older, when you're having all these other medical or physical changes that you're going through. So you can keep the intimacy without the pressures of, no, unless we have intercourse, then that means we haven't been intimate. I always say... Just try to remember why you fell in love in the first place. So oh, if I'm, I love right? that. I know it sounds really cheesy, but it's the truth. So cheesy if you're, is good. Yeah, if you're pissed off or you're upset, just go mm-hmm. back to remember what made you fall in love in the first place. I hope you all enjoyed our talk about sex and relationships today just as much as I did. Thanks to my guest, Dr. Dean Aslinia and Dr. Claudia Michaela for joining me today. How do we find you, Dr. Claudia? You can find me on Instagram. Look me up as Dr. Claudia. And your studio? Yeah, I'm uh, just www.chrehab.ca. And Dr. Dean? So you can find me on social media at um, Dr. Dean USA on Twitter or Instagram. And then my website's deantherapy.com. Um, you know, you can ask me any questions as follow ups to things that may have come up that we didn't have time to address.
And it's cuffing season where people just want to find a partner to stay in and snuggle with. So if you're single, don't delay. Just come check out my matchmaking service at singleinthecity.ca. It's affordable and you never know, you might just meet the one. Thanks for listening to the Dating and Relationship Show, everyone. I'm Laura Bellotta. Ciao for now. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta. SingleInTheCity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's just after nine, Sunday night, and it's time for the Dating and Relationship Show right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta of SingleInTheCity.ca. Joining me today is one of my good friends, love her. And she's a show regular, Dr. Claudia Michaela. Hi there. Thanks Hi. for having me. Well, of course. And our special guest today is Dr. Dean Azlinia, who comes to us all the way from the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona. We hate you already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you haven't yeah. uh, figured it out, it's pretty cold here, isn't it? Yes, I do. <laughs> he is a mental health expert with three decades of psychology and counseling education, research, and graduate teaching. He is also a certified sex therapist and sexologist. And he is here to talk to us about all those important sex-related questions that we have surrounding sex in our relationships. Welcome, Dr. Dean. Can I call you, you, Dr. Dean? Yes, absolutely. Please do. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know what? What brings you here? I mean, were you just stopping through or did you hear all about all the great things that we do on the show, how we inspire others and you wanted to inspire others as well on the show? You can lie, Dean. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even have to say that. I was already going to. So, yeah. So this is actually interesting. One, thank you for having me. Um, It's interesting. I hadn't been in Canada or to Canada in a couple of years, but now in the last three weeks, I've been to two different Canadian cities. Um, So I was in Montreal two weeks ago for the um, annual sex therapy conference that we had um, up there. And so then obviously now I'm back for you Um, and any opportunity I get to get in front of a microphone to talk about sexuality as it relates to human um, nature I take the opportunity because I see it as so important and vital to our uh, overall well-being so tell us a little bit about yourself and I know you're a mental health expert how did you get involved in the sex world right right so um, I get I'm trying to decide how far back I should go Let's you just don't go, go too far to back. My, yeah, just, you know, wrap it up. We only have like uh, you know, fifty <laughs> minutes here, Dean. I haven't even started. She's already cutting me off. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, wants to get to the sex. We right. have a lot of questions <laughs> yeah, here yeah. today. Well, so here uh, to cut to the chase. So I was doing marriage and family um, therapy, and that was and, boring. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I realized, as the research indicates, eighty percent of every uh, marriage and relationship issue always has an as an undertone a sex issue. And 80% of sex issues usually have a relationship problem. So uh, I couldn't do one in good conscience without fully understanding the other. So I got embedded and like enmeshed into the world of sexuality. And that's how I got there. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I I agree with that totally. I even in my own practice, if you don't mind me intervening. Of course. I think Dr. Claudia McKella is a chiropractor. She's my chiropractor and she's <laughs> darn good. Let me tell you. Can you crack my neck after the For show? For sure, after the sh- after the show. <laughs> okay. uh, but first, I have to make this really of important course. point. Of course. So, in my own practice, I've really noticed in the last, you know, 10 years that a lot of the issues that I deal with come down to, you know, 
we've talked about this in the show, like physical pain, um, inability to have a healthy relationship. And that all comes down to sexuality between couples, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or lack of it or not being happy with it. So I, I can see how you kind of got pushed yeah, into that direction because yeah. it's a huge, huge issue. And okay, so as as the saying goes, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And one of the ways we differ is how we engage with sex. So what's the difference, Dr. Dean, between what sex means to women versus men in terms of how we engage, how we disengage, and how we disconnect? Awesome. Very good question. So uh, Everyone be- always says that. I say, I, I, yeah. I ask good questions. Okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's a good question. Yeah, but first, before I dive into that let me say a couple of things okay um disclaimers if you will so the first one my answers today are gonna have a lot of general stereotypes by necessity because i can't possibly differentiate between every single unique human being in a one-hour show so with that i'm gonna have to um create typical patterns that we see with males and females. And so while I realize not every male or female that's listening to the show is going to relate to those generalities, um, please be reminded that we have to talk in stereotypes. The second thing is in the course of our conversation, we might um, bring up some issues that uh, may bring to surface some difficulties some of the listeners might be having whether it's um, in the context of their relationship, sexuality, or some other issues that may get triggered. I just want to put it out there that this conversation is for educational and informational purposes only, and it's not to substitute, you know, any kind of medical or psychological advice. So should you feel any kind of um, pressure or, um, discomfort with the conversation we're having, please reach out to your doctor or mental health professional to um, address those concerns. But now to get right into what you were asking, Laura. Do you remember the question after yes, all Yes, I that? remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, we need to take a break. We're talking about sex and intimacy in our relationships with Dr. Dean and Dr. Claudia Michaela right here on the Dating and Relationship Show. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're back. Today we're devoting this show to the impact of sexuality, passion, and intimacy in our relationships with our special guest, Dr. Dean. He's here from uh, Arizona. Yes. And Claudia Michaela is also joining me today, and I'm Laura Bellotta. Before the break, I asked him how men and women how they differentiate and how we engage, how we disengage and how we disconnect when it comes to sex and our sexuality. Right on. So for men, um, sex is the biggest channel of communicating love. So to, you know, put it as simply as possible. So for a man, if sex is happening, it communicates to him that he is loved and he is desired. Now on the other side for a woman, um, Sex is one of the many, many, many channels of communicating sexuality and or rather communicating love. Um, So what that means is for a a typical woman, she can receive and send love through hugs, through uh, words of uh, kindness, through through back rubs. Yeah, through any (laughs) like through any of these things like she can clean the house and say, well, I'm showing you that I love you. She can 
vacuum, shop, you know, buy things for the kids, take mm-hmm. the kids to the doctor. I cook. And, yeah, cook, all of those good things. <laughs> and she says, well, that's I'm showing you that I love you. I've had many, many couples where the guy is just simply sitting there puzzled when the wife is like, what? I cook for you. I clean the house. I vacuum. I mop. And he's just looking at me puzzled like, uh, did we miss something here? And he turns around and tells her, hey, would it be okay if we just didn't clean the house and instead you had sex with me? And or of get, course, yeah, or, yeah, oral yeah. sex, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But of course, she turns around. And she says, oh, you're such an ass. None of my, you know, kind deeds matter to you. And all you want is sex. So that's a huge differentiator between how a man sees sex. It's very visually stimulating. It's very transactional, if you will. And one of the other things that we might get a chance to talk about is how men will pay for predictability and power. Well, let's and, talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So when it comes to that, that's where it's extremely important for a man to feel that he is desired through the channel of sex, Uh, whereas that's not necessarily the case always with women. And there are so many studies that have been done that have taken a cross section of a male brain versus a female brain, obviously a live one, they don't cut it, but just the view (laughs) of the cross section, right? To where they uh, present the male brain with a sexual stimuli and it just it's like fireworks going on, hot spots going on everywhere, indicating how a sexual stimuli um, creates arousal in the male brain, which directly creates drive for him. Now, same thing that happens with the female brain. You might uh, expose it to a sexual stimuli. Well, you might get some hot spots going on, but even if they go on, that doesn't necessarily mean she's aroused or that there is a drive. So there is a missing piece When we look further into that, we see that for the woman, uh, what's important is psychological security, commitment, emotional connectedness, all of the things that really weren't necessary for the man um, to go from arousal to drive. So again, indicating a very uh, vast difference in how a man processes sex versus how a woman processes sex, and then how that leads into their, you know, intricacies when they get into their relationship so and do you think that people with vastly different sexual appetites can still work as a couple Ooh, that's a tough one generally <laughs> i would say no um, oh really yeah okay. generally i would say no because um so it's different you know we talk about sleep number mattresses and all of this good stuff um typically people <laughs> know their sleep number but they don't generally talk about their sex number. So, which is one of the earliest things I recommend for a couple to discuss when they're dating is to just not make it very difficult, but on a scale of one to 10, where one means I have no sexual appetite or desire or need, and 10 being I'm extremely uh, sexual and I have a lot of uh, sexual needs. You so know, you're saying that this is something that people should talk about oh, early absolutely. on in dating. Yes, yeah. So for you and I to say... But can't you just sort that out when you're well, dating? Well, that's the I problem. Mean, but if see, you've been dating for a while and you're having sex uh, and, and she only wants sex once a week and he sure. wants it every day, I well, mean, that's just an go. indicator yeah. right there. Absolutely, yeah. and that's what I'm talking about. So let's say in the example you just brought up, like, did you say she wants it all the time and he doesn't or he wants it all well, the time? Well, it doesn't matter, it doesn't vice matter. versa. Yeah. I've heard the opposite, too. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that she I, wants it all the time oh, and he sure. does not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I let's know a couple say, that just broke up because of that. Oh, absolutely. And it happens with couples that have been married for like 20 years. When they first got married or started dating, maybe she was a nine and he was an eight. So they were extremely compatible. But now after several kids and mm-hmm. after all this time... Right. 
I can now he's that. a 10 and she's a two and meaning like she doesn't express the love you know through the sexual act whereas now she's showing it through you know raising the kids cooking. And, yeah cooking <laughs> and cleaning the house so, and all of that so stuff Claudia you said you can relate to that I want to hear from you now yeah you I can relate to that in the sense that when you are young and you're a couple or you're just starting out Sometimes you're like all over each other because that's what your mm -hmm. focus is. And then when your focus is directed elsewhere from being a nine or a 10, you've gone down to a two. But that's where the work and the relationship has to, you know, step in. Right. You there has to, to be some compromise. That's right. You have Absolutely. to under communicate. So do you believe then in faking it to, you know, faking it? Well, I was going to say I fake guess. it to you, make mean, it, but so, that doesn't make sense. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, sometimes some couples do that and they do make it again. Like I was saying for the male brain. It doesn't matter really if she's faking it or if she's right. like just not really interested. But she's, okay, but well, how about this? How about yeah. she's like, okay, just do it, hurry up, like get it over with, you know, which, well, which happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, but that does happen, and I'm sure some guys would be even happy with that. Uh, but uh, that's where the compromise comes up. Right. I think that's where the you know talking to each other, and sometimes you get to the point like she's a two and he's a ten. Well, he might be okay with her just being naked next to him in bed while he masturbates, which they, you know that that keeps it away from him needing to go elsewhere outside the relationship. So we need to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about porn. Yes, this is something Excellent. that a lot of people don't talk about. Stay with us on the Dating and Relationship Show. We'll be right back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We are back. You're tuned into the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Sitting in with me today as a show regular is Dr. Claudia McKella and a friend of mine. Love her. This is an awesome show today, honestly. <laughs> it is every week. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> but today especially, because as, what did you say on the break? I said this topic can heal humanity. All right. Amen. Yes, you're going to heal a lot of people here today, Dr. Dean. Yes. Okay, so we have been chatting with Dr. Dean Aslinia today about the important role sex and sexuality play in our interpersonal relationships. And now I want to talk about something that a lot of people just don't want to admit to or they just don't want to talk about it, and that is porn. Now, like, I have a friend who admitted to me that he watched a lot of porn, or he does watch it. He does it every day. And he has a difficult time climaxing or being fully satisfied when having sex. Can watching too much porn take a toll on your sex life? Yes. Uh, generally speaking with that question, I'll say yes. Typically, I'm pro-porn, if you will, in the big scheme of things. You are pro-porn? Well, I don't see it as a problem. I mean, I, I'm not against right. porn, let's say. I mean, I don't know if there is. I wouldn't necessarily But wouldn't it be there. a problem if you have to do it every day? Well, so yeah. So so see, here's the differentiation. There are some um, in our field that consider porn and sex as being able to create an addiction. Um, research has shown and in the DSM, which is our diagnostic manual for mental health, that's not been substantiated, that you cannot form an addiction to porn or sexuality. However, you can certainly reach a level where it becomes a problematic sexual behavior, meaning that you're doing it way too much and it's beginning to have consequences that you were not intending for it to have. And so with that, yes, it certainly can become a problematic issue if, let's say, you're spending way too much time on it to where it's taking the energy, now you can't get up to go to work tomorrow because you're just spending... Well, what if it only it. takes you 10 minutes a day? 
Well, so then what I would ask what distress is it causing? You know, so if if you're saying, yeah, he's, you know, having fun with the porn and therefore has no more uh, desire for his partner, then that's still a problem if it's taking 10 minutes. But I would argue the point that's where we need to get with the guy, you know, a sex therapist needs to talk to him because he's figured out how to satisfy himself within that 10 minute timeline with the pressure, with what he's interested in, all of the stuff to where he gets satisfied in 10 minutes versus if he's engaging with his partner, now you got to go turn on some candles, you know, put up, you know, hot bath and buy her dinner and buy wine and now foreplay and now this and now that and now (laughs) massage (laughs) to where he may just see it as a easier path to, you know, the end. And well, that's a cop it's a bit unrealistic. It is. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, so that's where I'm saying. So, is it a problem for him or is it a problem for her? That's probably where we, for her, right? Precisely. And so that goes back to you know the issue that oftentimes we talk about with the concept of premature ejaculation, where I get a lot of the female partners diagnosing their male partner because they're like, well, he only lasts ten minutes. And I ask him, well, how, how about how, if he only lasts two minutes? Well, two minutes. So That's let's even say, worse. well, yeah. No. So I say, well, how many minutes do you want to last? And the guy says, I want to last 30 seconds and it's just taking two minutes. So that's clearly not <laughs> premature ejaculation. Right. Whereas if she wants him to last three hours and he's lasting two minutes, again, you can't diagnose based on somebody else's desire. It's what your body is like what your overall desire is and how your body's responding to what you want it to respond to. So, and I guess the short response to the whole porn question, can it become problematic sex, uh, sexual behavior? Absolutely. Does it need to have some parameters around it? Absolutely. But is it the enemy of a relationship? I would say no. It, you know, in broad terms, it doesn't have to be because I've seen relationships that use pornography as a way to, communicate about their sexual needs and fantasies about their uh connecting to together about taking their sexual desires to a whole nother level because of what they see and bring into the relationship so which it just is, depends on what you bring great to it. my question the whole idea of porn to me it's just it sounds a little unrealistic right because well, i mean we know it's like it's a movie Oh, right? absolutely. So that would yeah. be my my question. Oh, and, and that's very, very good point. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you go into it thinking it's a real yeah. production, I mean, you're it's so fantasy has a huge role to play in our lives. You know, you you and I may sit here and fantasize how amazing it would be if we had three million dollars cash right <laughs> now. Like we might even think, hmm, it might be a good idea to walk into a bank and just take three million dollars and just go party it up. But you clearly understand there's a difference between that fantasy and actually acting it out in real life. And the same is true with pornography. Like there's so much prep work for a 15 minute scene, the conversations they have, the lighting, the angles, all of this stuff. None of it is real. So if we see it for what it is that a fantasy, we can get through it. very. So you're saying that porn can uh, is, is healthy then. It can, it can play be. a healthy yeah, role. In I mean, the it can it can be healthy if you do healthy things with it. It can be extremely unhealthy, as with anything else. If you take it to the extreme, I mean, anything in the extreme, I would argue that can be unhealthy. Now, is there such thing as watching too much porn, and when should you be concerned? So again, I think that's where the consequences have to play a role in making that decision. Like if you're spending too much money meaning now your other parts of your life are suffering. If your sexual life with your partner is suffering as a result of it, that's when it's a problem. 
if you don't have energy, if you're trying to stop but you can't, if you're lying to people constantly, keeping it as a secret, that's when it becomes a problem and you need to address it. Okay, we need to take a break. We're talking to Dr. Dean today about the important role sex and sexuality play in our interpersonal relationships. When we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show, we're going to talk about sex and dating. Ooh. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. What a cool and interesting show today. We've got Dr. Dean Aslinia in our studio today. Uh, He's here all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. He is a sex therapist. And we're talking about the important role sex and sexuality play in our interpersonal relationships. And Dr. Claudia Michaela is also in studio with me. And I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. And now I want to talk about sex and dating. Yes, my specialty. Well, not the sex part, but the dating. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so in your opinion, because people have different opinions, okay, and I might have a different one. So when is it too soon to have sex? Yeah, so there have been a lot of opinions published on this, like you just said. (laughs) I'm going to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was initially, I remember this whole three date um, rule of like you shouldn't have sex before three dates. Then we begin to see in research, like there is a- Three dates, that's too soon. Yeah, so then, well, the average number that people were waiting or the magic number was around eight was when they were actually engaging. But so to me, I mean, there have been so many different rules spoken into sexuality that to me, it's not so much about what number date you're having the sex, but where you feel most comfortable and connected with that individual. To me, sexuality is a a form of expressing emotion. And if you're an adult and you're mature enough to feel connected with your partner and feel safe and feel, um, you know, ready for it, then that's when it needs to happen. You know, so I don't necessarily put after the fifth date, because to me, as we say in the therapy world, you should never make sex appointments even if you're you know married or in a long-term relationship you should never say hey on saturdays at two o'clock is when we're going to have sex because what ends up happening with that is (laughs) claudia you you begin to no it's true you plan everything i know you're not lying claudia she has it highlighted (laughs) yeah yeah, she's like like, (laughs) yeah this color means sex it's in my phone yeah it's like alarm pops up on the phone like oh go get ready it's 1 30 maybe <laughs> Go shave, you know. But if you've noticed, oh, she's already done that. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> that's in her schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's at one o'clock. That's at one o'clock. Yeah. So by one thirty, I'm ready to go. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> but if you've noticed, maybe at one forty-five, now all of a sudden your husband has a headache. Right. You know, something like that. That's what you usually see when you make these sex appointments. Does the husband? Ha- I don't think he gets no, a headache. No. <laughs> well, some that. kind of ache somewhere because somebody <laughs> at some point, when it becomes so routine and predictable, people begin to look for ways to get out of it. Is where I'm going. Because again, sex wasn't meant to be, okay, it's a three o'clock appointment on the blah, blah day. It needs to happen when it's, you know, the environment. I get it. But I think there is such thing as having sex too soon. Oh, I agree completely. Like you meet someone that night, go off and have sex. Okay. The chances of the guy probably calling you again are very slim. Oh, absolutely. Same with if you move in with somebody too early. I mean, the old saying, and no pun intended here, is... Why would you buy a cow if you can get the milk for free? 
you know <laughs> and so i mean that that's the same thing like if you got the sex the first night then what do you have to look forward to i absolutely agree i think this is something that um can build the excitement of the relationship by the couple getting to know one another but you know if you're asking me well what give me a number of what date is no, blah I'm blah blah you know so you that. that's where yeah yeah not asking so you that. no I, I mean generally speaking i would say yeah there is such a thing as too soon but and it, it all depends too on how emotionally connected somebody amen. gets because Absolutely. if you are very sensitive and Absolutely. you have sex with someone and you, you know you fall in love instantly which some women do mm-hmm. i know men don't typically do that well, not all, but some. There are? Yeah. Okay, yeah. tell us yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah. That's interesting because I've like, never heard of that. Where does he where, live? Yeah, where are they? <laughs> where is he at? Well, there's one of them and he's... <laughs> no, 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 but with that, um, so actually you bring up a really good point. Let me answer the first one and then we can maybe get, hopefully, if we have enough time to jump on that of one. Of course we have enough and time. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is um, the whole concept of um, talking about... The different expectations. So sometimes you have come out of a relationship where you maybe not had the best experience sexually. Maybe it was even traumatic and there was abuse involved or if you felt coerced or manipulated or, you know, and maybe even worse scenarios. That's where those um, ideas need to create the boundaries for you to communicate it to your date whether it's the first date or the 10th date or maybe the 15th date or maybe the 15th month after your first date. And in that case, you might want to wait until there's a bit of more of a commitment there. Absolutely. And and again, to see if your partner is respectful of your boundaries when it comes to those issues because you don't want to get into that relationship with just leading him blindly and he thinks, okay, everything is, you know, uh, open and we, I can do whatever I want. But meanwhile, he begins to trigger you with all your past pains and past traumas. So that's where, again, that's another indicator with the how soon it. And you I know, can see it. where the pressure lies too, because nowadays with dating, I mean, people are trading up for something better all the time. It's called the paradox mm-hmm. of choice, and mm-hmm. I talk about it a lot on the show, where people, you know, with online dating being so prevalent and mm-hmm. people are meeting like mm-hmm. vastly, that it's like. Okay, so somebody new comes along and it's like, if you're not giving me what I want, then I might just... Mm-hmm. What did you call that? It's called the paradox of choice. It's like oh. when you um, you don't want to make a choice because you think that the grass is greener on the other side and you're always mm. looking or waiting for something better, better. to come along. So if, if you're sitting in this relationship and you're not giving this person sex because you want to wait until you're more committed, then they might just go somewhere else. Okay. So there's that pressure mm-hmm. there. Absolutely. And one of the, if I can recommend a book, I think there is a great book on that topic when it comes to dating. It's called Unhooked. And the right on the title of it. Listen, it says, buddy, you can't promote anything but my book, okay? Because right. I talk about it in my book. It's called Single in the City, and it's available now on Amazon. Amen. After you kidding, buy that book, kidding. you can maybe want to look at this one. And it says, <laughs> How Young Women Pursue Sex, Delay Love, and Lose at Both. You know, and so that goes back to the whole concept of you jump right on in because for years men were just like doing what you just said, you know, trading up and going after different things. So the girl said, well, why can't we? I'm just going to go after sex, too. I'm not going to do this dating thing. So they just started to hook up. And what they realized is, well, again, going back to the whole how their brain is wired, they need that emotional connection. They want that stability and just sex isn't enough. And so ultimately, they end up not getting the sex satisfaction or the love. 
We're going to talk about sex and dating. We're going to continue with this topic on the Dating and Relationship Show when we come back. Stay with us. What a fun show. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Dr. Dean is here from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. He's a sexologist, and he's here to talk about stuff around sex and relationships. Dr. Claudia McHale is here, here. and you guys are tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I want to ask both of you guys this question, all right? So how do you feel about having conversations about your past sexual experiences? We'll start with you, Dr. Claudia McKella. I don't think it's anybody's business. Yeah, I say none of your business. But like, you know, we were talking on the break. None of your damn business. Yeah, yeah. Unless, unless there's like a, some sort of an illness that resulted from a previous sexual encounter, which we will talk about next. Right? Yes, uh, it's really of no importance because if you're involved in a new relationship, you should be involved in but that relationship. Some people are just, just so keen on knowing about mm-hmm. your past, and it's like, why? Because it's just going to spark jealousy within yeah, you, absolutely. right? So that that's a very interesting dynamic in the human desire to want to have extra information that we can't always process so i've had couples to where they're like well how big were our boobs or how big was he or oh my god you never (laughs) oh my god my ex was like five inches bigger than you or oh my god he was this and ultimately that information then backfires because now you just shared way too much information and here's an example i had one couple they went to a hooters they sit down have a meal this girl comes up let's call her jennifer So then they end up in front of me as a couples therapist. And she's like, well, so uh, how interesting that he won't come clean, that that's the Jennifer he used to date, but he won't tell me honestly that that is. He's like, that is not the Jennifer. She's like, well, he was, she's blonde. She had 34 double D's, the way she would look at you and smile. And like, I mean, it had created a whole issue because of the details he had shared about his ex, name, size, all yeah, of this stuff. Don't compare yeah. your new relationship to yeah, your exactly. past relationship, people, because that's just not going to yeah. end it's well for you. It's absolutely yeah. unhealthy. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So the I guess the recap of that is it's healthy if you're discussing it in the realm of, hey, you know, I had this horrible experience before. I don't want to recreate that. So here's the parameters around the issues that I don't want to recreate or have again in our relationship. So please be sensitive to those without getting into the details of who it was, how big they were, how small they were, whatever, what their name was, all of that good stuff. So I want to talk about STIs now. Mm. So STIs are on the rise. For instance, they say that more than one out of every six people age 14 to 49, age 14, that's that's young, have genital herpes. And, And that's a lot of people. So I mean, so many people are walking around with some form of sexually transmitted disease Mm -hmm. either without knowing it or knowing it and not saying anything because either they're embarrassed by it or they just don't know how the person that they're dating is going to react. So how should we discuss STIs with a new partner? And is it something that we should be ashamed about, Dr. Dean? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think you need to. So first and foremost, not telling a partner about an STI that you might have after a confirmed diagnosis, uh, maybe actually be a criminal offense. So that's one thing to just put out there because you are intentionally now putting a virus into somebody else's body without having told them and inform uh, informing them. So 
other than that whole legal caveat, um, it's an extremely important topic for. You can go to jail for that. Oh, absolutely! Like our and president I, I do said, think he that could we do the same. should make it a, a little bit more of a serious topic because, like you said, we're, we're spreading these diseases everywhere, mm-hmm. and and I mean, how are you going to control it if fourteen-year-olds are getting? Mm-hmm. And some of it, honestly, it, they are called STIs, but you don't necessarily contract them just through sex. You know, so and that's the other thing. They may lie dormant for years and years and all of a sudden now you're passing it along to a partner and you didn't even know you had it. So it's always a good idea to get tested. It's never a easy conversation. So I say just dive in and before you even engage with someone sexually, just say, hey, let's go together and do a a Mm -hmm. comprehensive STD test. You know, make it a date, make that the second or third date or fifth date (laughs) or whatever you think that number uh, is before you engage for both of your sanity, for both of your sake. And again, you you can take so many precautions to make sure that you don't have it and you don't pass it along to somebody else in the event that you have it. Or if you have it, you can treat it if you catch it early enough. Right. There's antibiotics for a lot of them that you can take now. But if you don't know you have it, you don't take it. And it just sits there and it potentially creates lifelong medical issues, infertility issues, um, potential cancers. And so you got to be very careful around it. Okay, I want to get into talking about sex and divorce now. Let's say you got married to your high school sweetheart in your early 20s, and you only had like one or two partners, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And now you find yourself single after all these years. What advice do you have for these people or anyone else who's getting back out there after divorce? Mm -hmm. Extremely important. So the first thing I would say is you're no longer 20. Everything about about you has changed. You've lived through a whole entire relationship now. Uh, it's matured you, it's matured your body, it's matured your experiences, it's matured so much about you. So what's important is for you to recognize you're not the same person anymore and you need to take those experiences and determine and become aware of what is it that you're looking for in this next relationship. So you don't want to just get in there and again, expect the 20-year-old body of yours to have sex with this new divorcee or whatever and don't and expect to get under someone to get over someone absolutely good line yes. thank you very much you, you have one now it's my yeah. turn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, i've just been married for way too long i have no lines <laughs> <laughs> you, you have a lot of time to think about it. yeah <laughs> there's always time for that yeah. yeah so anyway so it's extremely important for you to determine <laughs> what it is that you want not compare um, and don't go into the next relationship, like you said, in an attempt to get over the one that you just got a divorce from. That's just a good life lesson altogether. Absolutely. We're talking about sex and divorce with Dr. Dean Aslinia when we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show. Mm-hmm. 